0: So, our first reading is from the Psalms, and it's from Psalm 2. The psalmist writes, Why do the nations conspire, and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession.'" You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This is a messianic psalm. It's speaking about uh, the coming of Jesus. Uh, one of my favorite uh, books, which I've often talked about, is William Golding's book, Lord of the Flies. And if you know the book and you know the story, it uh, uh, tells the story of a party of school children who are shipwrecked on a desert island. And uh, as they gather themselves after the shipwreck and they realize that no adults have survived the shipwreck, they rejoice. They rejoice that no adults have survived because they think we can do what we want. We can set our own rules. We can create our own utopia. Everything will be wonderful. And of course, as the story uh, plays out, that's not what happens at all because without an adult to provide some kind of guidance and accountability, uh, their selfish human natures take over and their. Uh, You know, fledgling society quickly descends into chaos and into murderous chaos. But they rejoice in this thought that without God, how much better life will be. And that's what's depicted in the psalm. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. If we reject God, we'll find true freedom. The story of Adam and Eve in the garden. Let's reject God and then we'll find True freedom, it's, it's an illusion. In throwing off the chains, we don't find freedom. We just find ourselves slaves, slaves to sin. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. He says, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. And that's what God was doing 2,000 years ago in the birth of Jesus. He was installing his king in Zion. He says, you will rule them with an iron scepter. Therefore, you kings, therefore, all of us be wise. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. When I was reading that before, I just had this lovely picture of of Mary and Joseph kissing the baby Jesus in his manger of the shepherds coming and bowing down in worship and The wise men, when they arrived, obviously by then Jesus would have been running around like Alfie. It might have been difficult to catch up with. But had they been able to catch him and present him with his gifts, uh, they would have perhaps given him a kiss. Kiss the son. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Uh, Just a reminder that this this God comes as a saviour. He comes as one in whom... We can find refuge and blessed are all who take refuge in him. So let's uh, just pause for a moment of quiet and just in these moments uh, perhaps take refuge in our saviour this morning. Our second reading is from uh, the book of Micah chapter 5 and a bit more Christmassy. Uh, Bethlehem gets a mention. So, uh, uh, Micah, chapter 5, uh, verses uh, 1 to 5. Uh, doesn't start very Christmassy, I'll give you that. <laughs> Marshal your troops, O city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small... Among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labour gives birth, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. Uh, Micah is speaking at a time when uh, the people of God are facing a disaster. Uh, they're facing judgment because of their rebellion and their disobedience and their rejection of, of God, everything that we were just reflecting on after our Our previous reading and that's the reality that a judgment is going to come because they have turned from God's ways. And always when judgment is being prophesied, always where disaster seems to be looming, there is always hope. Whatever you read in the Old Testament, wherever there's a scene of, of judgment coming... There's always a note of hope. You read it so often in the Psalms, where the psalmist is is in despair and wondering what on earth is going on and can't understand where God is in his uh, circumstances. Always those Psalms include a word of hope. And so in the midst of this scene is this hope. And obviously it has immediate relevance in the context in which it was written, but it's also prophetic, looking to Uh, 2,000 years ago, looking to our day, the coming of this Saviour, of one who will be born. And what will he be like? Uh, He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. And they will live securely and he will be their peace. You know, sometimes we think, well, you know, how can there be a God in the world that we live in? How can we look at the world as it is and think that there is... A god of of love, or a god who is all powerful. How do those two things go together? Well, Jesus wasn't born into a world that was peaceful, in order to bring some more peace. He didn't bring, wasn't born into a world that was well ordered, uh, in order to bring a bit more order. He didn't come wasn't born into a world because we're nice, and he wanted us to be a bit nicer. He was born into a world that was chaotic and disrupted and that was lost and that needed rescuing and, and he came as a, as a shepherd you think of the beautiful verses of psalm 23 the lord is my shepherd yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil jesus is not come because everything's fine he comes because everything isn't fine he comes as the savior as the rescuer and um you know, when I look at, you know, in my heart, I need a saviour. I need a rescuer. When I look at my life, I need a shepherd who will guide me and protect me and watch over me. I don't, I don't need God to come because everything's fine. I need him to come because everything wasn't fine and isn't fine without him. And God's promise to his people when they are, they're facing Disaster. And that disaster will come and they'll have to live through it. But the gospel is they come through it. That's the gospel. Not that disaster doesn't fall, but that we come through it. Verse 5, he will be their peace. He will be their peace. If If there's something that we long for in our lives, it's that we might live at peace. And in those moments where we enjoy peace and where everything seems to be right with the world, what lovely moments are those? But how fleeting they are. Because you enjoy them for a moment and then something happens to disrupt them, which tells us that we will never find peace in our circumstances in this life. Something will always come along to disrupt those moments. We don't find peace in circumstances. We find peace in him, the Prince of Peace. That's the promise of God to his people through Micah. He will be their peace and he will be our peace and we will not find peace anywhere else. Not a peace that will last. We'll find fleeting moments, but we will never live in that peace which passes understanding until we find it in him. So let's pause for a moment and perhaps think of those that we know whose lives are not at peace. Maybe our own lives are not at peace at the moment as we sit here this morning. As Perhaps you're listening to the recording. Perhaps think of someone that you love who need to know God's peace. And in these moments let's pray for them that they might know the Prince of Peace. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your son Jesus into this world, not because it was peaceful, but because it needed peace. And only he could bring it and restore it. And so we lift to you those in our hearts who need to know peace in their lives. And we ask that you would have mercy upon them today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our third reading is from the book of Revelation, so we really are going, um, really going off beast, but it's very Christmassy. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, so Revelation chapter 12, I'm going to read from the first verse. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars. On her head. Uh, Think um, Old Testament, think uh, Joseph, Uh, think the 12 sons of Jacob, think of um, Joseph's dreams. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth. So that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. This is is Jesus. And her child was snatched up to God. And to his throne. This is Jesus who lived and died and who rose again, who ascended into heaven. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short as I say, not the most um, obvious uh, Christmas carol service reading, but it's all about Christmas because it's all about uh, the birth of Jesus. It's all about this saviour being born to Israel. But it sets the context for the, the grand narrative into which our lives are caught up. The, the biggest mistake that we can ever make... Oh, hello. What's happened there? <laughs> Sorry, just apologise. If you're... Um... If you're listening online, we're going to have a slight digression because, uh, because because there we go, that's better. We're back in the stable. So <laughs> if you're listening online, this is Bolney and uh, technology and Bolney don't go together. Uh, so uh, but we're back on track. We're back in the stable, and uh, we're back in the grand narrative of where our lives fit in. The biggest mistake that we make as, as human beings is to think that the world revolves around us. And it's the thing that happened when, when Adam and Eve rejected God. The assumption that they made was that the world should revolve around them. And that's the point at which everything goes wrong. But it's, it's part of our, our human nature is we think the world should revolve around us. And often even as those of us that follow Jesus, uh, who are Christians, we still have this sort of thing, thought that... Well, you know, the world should revolve around me and um, God should do things to comfort me. And, uh, you know, God should be working towards my agenda, not the other way around. That's not how it works. Funnily enough, God is rather bigger than we are. And uh, actually, we're caught up into his story. He's not caught up into our story. That's so often how we want it. That's why so often, or often, we become disappointed with God. If you've ever felt disappointed with God, it's probably because you think he should be caught up in your story. But that's not it. We're caught up into his story, which is much grander and much bigger than our story. And this reading from Revelation, it, just, it paints the bigger picture of what's actually going on. It's this battle between God and the evil that disrupts God's beautiful creation. And we're the pinnacle of, of God's creation. Everything was created for us and for us to enjoy. We're made in the image of God. Creation was created for us to enjoy and it's ruined by evil. And the grand narrative is that God will ultimately consume and destroy and remove evil from his creation. That's what we are looking forward to. That's the door that Jesus opens through his life and death and his resurrection. That's what he allows us to enter into. Uh, Verse 10. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. That great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil. I remember Jesus in John's Gospel says that the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And that's the end of the story, that's how the story is going to end. And in the context of this revelation to John, he's talking about the... The hope that those who suffer for their faith can have. The fact that in this world, if we follow Christ, we'll always be walking against the ways of this world. We'll always be attracting opposition. We'll always be misunderstood. We'll always be condemned by this world who, who can't see it, who won't see it. But Jesus has come that we might have life and life in all its fullness and the hope, a certain hope that we have is that of ultimate victory. And that's what uh, John is shown in this revelation. And that's what Jesus wins through his life and his death and his resurrection. We are caught up in God's story which is the story of a cosmic battle. And it's a battle that he fights and he wins and that we get to share in for eternity. So let's pause again for a few moments, and, um, and just as we as we reflect on what Jesus has done for us, uh, we'll just have a few moments. And if you'd like to pray, then feel free to pray either aloud or in the quietness of your heart. But we know that as we live in this world, that uh, evil abounds. The conflict abounds. So many situations in our own lives, the lives of those that we know and the life of our world where we need to pray and intercede. So let's take a few moments to pray together. Just a final few verses from We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. How do we know that any of this story is true? How do we know that it's, it's not just a fantasy, it's not just make-believe? How do we know that what we believe is real? it's because Jesus was born as a human being. That people met, that people lived with, that people heard, that people touched. That people watched die. That people saw nailed to a cross and then three days later saw him rise again. And that's why John wrote his gospel and that's why John wrote his letters, he says, we saw it, our hands touched him, and we understood that this was the Messiah, this was the Son of God, this was the word of life. And the whole story makes sense because of what we're going to celebrate tomorrow. The whole thing makes sense because the life appeared, was seen was heard was touched so that we might have fellowship with him and with one another or the carol that we just sang ended with that question what shall I bring what shall I bring Uh, I'll bring my heart and when we understand the love of God expressed for us in Jesus that's the only offering that we can bring is the offering of our hearts So, Father, thank you for all that we have reflected on and been reminded of this morning through your written word. And by your Holy Spirit, may the truth of these things speak to our hearts and to our minds. And as we see the truth of them, may we respond by giving you our hearts. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.